are live. Welcome back to our Trilog series. I'm Kevin Orris, here with Cattle Last, Daniel Dick. We're going to be discussing the new series on our chapters from our book, Sex, Masculinity, God, the Trilogs. We're on Trilog number 15, which echoes chapter five, which is all about what are the new movements in masculinity, what you might call positive masculinity movements, modern masculine movements. And we're going to come at this from some new angles from what we went into last time, which is now in the book available online. And this one proved to be an epic one last time. So I'm excited to see where three philosophers can take it this time. Take us away, kiddo. All right, thanks. So again, we're like the theme here, we're discussing chapter five of our book, Sex, Masculinity, and God, um, going into the nature of masculinity and masculine movements today. Um, in our first discourse and in the, in the book, we sort of open up by talking about the manosphere, which is a sort of a cultural group online that's emerged around different signifiers like the red pill. And we discuss the red pill as something difficult and bitter to take, which changes your reality. And the basic claim of the manosphere is that since the emergence of feminism, our social life and our social experience has been operating under a type of um, deference to the feminine. And of course, that might have been um, necessary, you know, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, the emergence of new femininity, as we've talked about in previous, uh, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, um, there's an enormous positive positivity that's come from the feminist movement and women being able to redefine their identities, women being able to break, in some sense, become more androgynous and break from the confines of what their identity was in the past. Um, but at the same time, there's this sense that there's a need for now masculinity to undergo through that, that same process. And as a consequence of that online anyway, there has been this drive for new masculine movements and, and to rediscover what, that, what that's about. Um, I think in our discussions, we talked about how a new masculinity, you know, definitely has to decouple from any notions of feminine deference, you know, deference to what women want. And we need to have men that are capable of really being aligned with um, what it means to be a man today from man's perspective, not necessarily built in relationship to what the woman wants, but in relationship to new forms of brotherhood, new forms of community. And at the same time, we recognize that these new forms of brotherhood, these new forms of community can sometimes go in a, you know, a, a potentially a toxic direction with the sense of, you know, um, could be emphasis on pickup art, pickup artistry, could be an emphasis on certain types of, um, certain types of uh, toxic drugs, could be drug and al alcohol culture, um, could be just bar culture you know, where there's really a, a void of deep, meaningful connection between men. And at the same time, we discussed how, in fact, historically, where men got brotherhood and where we built community was in religion. And then you have the decline of religion and so forth. So we were really searching for new signifiers about, about religion. What does that mean in the 21st century? Sort of thinking about rediscovering that. How I want to take this discussion on masculinity 
is a little bit different. So like if in the first discussion we were talking about breaking from fem female deference, what I want to talk about here is how a new masculine movement would cultivate really a different relationship to femininity, which is not coming from the perspective of um, submission to the feminine, which is not coming from a perspective of a, a, a type of you know, negative emotion towards the feminine, like, um, like we're victims of the feminine or something like that, but really to sort of come up with a new ethic of how masculinity can be strong and, and coherent in itself, while at the same time cultivating not a perfect symmetrical relationship with the feminine, but a, a way for the feminine, a way for the feminine to maximize its potential, while at the same time remaining true to our potential. So in that, in that light, I'd like to introduce, again, quotes from, from Zizek, which I hope are provocative um, and, and really opening up a new conversation here. So here's the quote. The masculine subject prevents the feminine subject from becoming fully itself, but the reverse is not true. The masculine sex is in itself one, and the feminine in itself is the, the other sex, as Simone de Beauvoir put it. Femininity is not another identity, a counterposition to the masculine position, but rather it's impossible supplement, end quote. So what I want to emphasize here is that in the traditional masculine form, the masculine subject did prevent the feminine subject from from becoming fully fe feminine subject because of course they were under traditional patriarchy, they were in the house, they were in the home. But it wasn't the reverse position, meaning the feminine didn't prevent the masculine from becoming fully itself. Now, with that being said, now that femininity has risen up, it's not that we have a symmetrical balance between masculine and feminine. It's rather that we have this this very strange relationship which we can't make sense of. And what I want to propose and throw out to both of you is this idea that for a masculine movement, men have to be, men have to find their identity in themselves. Men also have to avoid the temptation of dominating or, 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 or blocking off women's potential. And at the same time, I feel like men have to not, it's so hard to communicate what I'm trying to say, but men have to at the same time not either let women become the dominator of them or sort of neglect or negate their own potential becoming by sliding into the traditional position again. What I'm trying to say basically is that the contradiction in feminine identity today vis-a-vis -vis masculine movements is either themselves becoming masculine or them trying to imagine some trad wife situation and how can the mass how can masculine movements again redefine masculinity in itself while at the same time finding a way to bring out the true becoming of the feminine without letting that true becoming of the feminine dominate the man or something like this. 
or slide back or neglect this becoming by sliding back into the traditional woman position. So this is, I know that's really difficult to communicate, but I feel like it's essential to get this right because it's, it's to me the key in these dynamics is the key to what we were, have been sort of intimating towards in previous podcasts with this more androgynous alien otherness space. I think this is, this is crucial to understand these dynamics. So Kevin, it's... Uh, Brilliant. Always choosing the choice cuts of Zizek, which, uh, man, it goes deep. And Simone de Beauvoir, like, I feel like her view of femininity was so warped. That's my intuition, having not read her exhaustively. But I also see the point she's making or pointing at when I've heard these phrases quoted from her or her from, from her directly. And yeah, where to begin here? Well, I mean, you bring up the major rub, Cadell, which is, you know, I mean, again, I, I go way out, which these talks tend to take me. I go way up and out first, and then I feel like spiraling in and down. You know, we need a new civilization. We need a new civilization because the, the gender dynamics have been so skewed and, and fucked in, in modern history that, yeah, patriarchal domination, rape culture, war culture, these are not good things. And that's why, you know, the natural antibody in its extreme form, unabashed and messy in its approach, but it, it's natural, it is the, the feminist movement and it's multiple waves. I think we're in fourth wave feminism now. I don't, I'm not a scholar there, but I mean, it's fascinating to see how women um, since gaining the vote, since, you know, gaining birth control, there's been a massive rise in just calling out like, hey, the way men treat women is not okay. And obviously me too is like the thing of our time that's caused this big explosion. And we talked about it exhaustively in the book. Maybe not exhaustively, but we talked about it. And I mean, there's, there's books like uh, The Chalice and the Blade by Rian Eisler. There's the work uh, Sex at Dawn. I forget the author's name right now. But they argue that there was an egalitarian matriarchal society in prehistory that preceded the patriarchal god kings and so that that makes sense to me that that, that could be a possible in a nomadic hunter-gatherer situation or even a pastoral situation pre-agriculture but still with civilization of some kind and i think that was just as skewed the other way where men are literally you know there's the i mean these are extreme examples i think this was in crete or Rhodes. it's one of the islands in greece but like some men are eunuchs, they're like castrated and turned into guards. Other men are breeders. And then only a few men have power and the women control everything. I mean, this is like the other version that, a, you know, a modern hyper-masculine, it's like his nightmare. Much like, you know, the 16th century in Europe and well, even beyond that, like way back, like think about the great conqueror civilizations. That's a woman's worst nightmare. Like thousands of concubines and women as slaves to these patriarchal warlords. I mean, We've missed the mark so much with this that to, to, to begin to create what you're talking about, Cadell, it almost requires, you know, we don't have to start from scratch because I think our DNA and our biology is built for partnership and symbiosis. We're not built to dominate and, and be at war, especially in the family unit with man and woman 
raising children and forming a community. That to me seems absurd. Nature would never do that. God would never do that. Whatever decide you want to pick. Um, it's efficient. It's functional and efficient. So symbiosis is our natural state. So it begs the question, how have we drifted so far from that? And, and why is it that men feel like they need to submit? I mean, I felt this in my past, like, okay, if I want to be with a woman, if I want to be a good man, a white knight, I'll, I'll defer to the feminine, right? And we went into that last time around deference to the feminine, being a nice guy, um, doing this to gain affection from the feminine. A lot of this starting with the mother relationship. And that doesn't work either. And that's why a lot of men are bouncing out of that into these more radicalized movements. And in the same way, if you choose the cookie cutter masculine that we're handed down from our fathers and we're handed to them by their fathers, that obviously didn't work either. Lack of presence, low emotional intelligence, and sometimes outright abuse or dominance. So again, like the middle path, what is it? It seems to me, before I, I'll pass to you, Daniel, you know, it seems to me Radical sovereignty, and a word that we've used in our circles is inter-sovereignty, radical inter-sovereignty. So two sovereign beings that have well-defined boundaries, needs, wants, desires, and individual, they're individuated. And then they come into radical communication that might be full of conflict, but it's navigated in such a way that sovereignty is maintained. So we don't form the codependencies of woman dependent on man or submissive and locked out of her potential, which I think was a great point, Cadell. We want both masculine and feminine to manifest their full potential. And historically, for whatever reason, the feminine, I think, has been blocked from their potential maybe more. Although I would argue that even the men that are conquering the world and, you know, have all these women, their potential isn't being realized either because crucial aspects of their sensitivity, their affinity for fatherhood and stewardship of nature and the earth, is cut off to hyper actualize these aggressive traits. So I think neither has manifested while one suppresses the other, but I'll leave it there for you, Daniel. Thank you so much, you both. I love radical sovereignty, internal sovereignty. I love that because what I can see is that we, it is a struggle of power on one hand. If we talk about man, femininity, masculinity, and do we have dominance? Do we have patriarchy? Do we have matriarchy? These are all the, the vertical lines of, of power. Who is above whom, you know, and who is, who is below whom? And and if, if we see it from, from this traditional perspective, also as, as Zizek puts it, uh, what came to my mind uh, immediately is this uh, metaphor of, of the sun and the moon. You know, very often you refer to, to the sun as to the man and to the moon as to the woman. And I can see in this metaphor very much into what, what Zizek said, that uh, the masculine is the one and, and the feminine is the other. It is like the reflection of the light that comes from the sun. And, um, and with femininity, this, this notion has been like um, totally wrapped up, you know, it has been, it, it's changed because uh, uh, woman power 
also to inform place where they define themselves, especially from, from the 60s and the 70s, where we have uh, feminism rising and smash patriarchy. So I see that for, for this, for this tension to create, I don't know if we can have like two suns around one planet, you know, because um, there are planets that have actually two suns or they have more moons. We have, but these are kind of very alien beings and they're not humans because we, we didn't found them yet. But um, if there is something like, like a moon or a, a sun that convolate somehow in, in this, in this, in this, uh, yeah, is it, is it, I mean, how can we talk about power that is not, well, maybe it's sovereignty when, when we say we have power of our own and not power on someone else. But nevertheless, there is a, something like a sun and there is something like a moon. And the sun doesn't have power over the moon, but it just has another realm where it appears in the night. The sun has also just a realm that only appears during the day. You know? So I think where it comes to sovereignty on one hand, but also to power relations on the other hand, it is the question, what is the field in which sovereignty takes place? You know, and in, in our past, the, the man had the public sphere and the woman had the private sphere. Um, man would go to work, would do politics, would go out and see everybody, and the woman would be in the household and doing children, child care, and so on, everything what is in the private realm to make this um, this uh, function work of, of a marriage, and that by being like a team that, that works that way. And um, nowadays, this is kind of uh, um, this very dual conservative aspect is broken up and we're still struggling with that what is it that we want to find something what is like the new culture that we want to cultivate out of this multiplicity of possibilities where we don't know if the, the man is going to take the child care, the, the woman is going to work and most of all what, what I'm also um, a bit concerned about is like that this power that comes from inside has to have a kind of self-confidence to make that work and this self-confidence of, of new ways of position yourself as a team with a, with a feminine is uh, redefining what is actually the what is the realm of, of serenity? What is the real of realm of, of power to make it 
teamwork. You know, you don't have to do everything on your own if you are in the team. That's like the beauty about a team. You know, if you are in the team with, with a woman, then someone else can do something else better and something else does the other. And that's how you maximize the power of being together. So from, for me, the, the, the question that I want to give to you guys is how we can redefine the, the realm of serenity, of power that, um, that man can really fold also their potential can we define it even on a, a broad scale of man or do we have to really go into the singularity and define it by everyone and by every couple or is there even or is even that a way that we can find a culture that is highly individualized by the definitions of their reals these are my thoughts so far. So, okay. So, what's what's crucial to me with with the masculine movement is that it is ultimately this force that's emerged because there's a feeling within men that we had a power that we lost or something like that. So it is about cultivating sovereignty. And at the same time, in the early motions of the masculine movement, there is a positioning vis-a-vis -vis the feminine, which is either one of um, sort of degradation or exploitation or, or, or um, victim complex and all this type of stuff. These are all risks in this in this finding you know a type of sovereignty now what i see when i look at these movements what i see when i talk to men about how they identify with these movements is they see the feminine coming into power as a subtraction of their power um they see they see the feminine coming to power as as somehow uh, uh, basically just a, a, a otherness threat, an otherness threat, which would take, take something away. And at the same time, there is a strong drive in men still, and I see it in myself as well, I mean, probably in all men, is there is a way in which a man feels power, and there is a way in which a man feels free when he has a woman. You know, there's this feeling of, I have a woman, even I, this notion of possession, I own a woman, where I think man, and especially traditional man, got a lot of feelings of power and it got a lot of feelings of freedom. Now, how to deal with that, how to deal with that deeply, because you can't repress that feeling because it will come out in other ways. Um, I've also experienced the feminine wanting to be overpowered and wanting to be owned in some contexts. 
and that feeling in some sense can't be can't be repressed either else it'll come out in distorted ways i think that how i would start to approach it is how i how i was trying to intimate with Zizek's quote of where he said quote the femininity is not another identity, a counterposition to complement the masculine position, but it's impossible supplement. By impossible supplement, it's basically if if it's basically saying it's an inevitable consequence of masculine identity and at the same time not something that you can merge with. So if you think you can merge with it, you're going to be extremely even unconsciously you think that then you're going to be extremely depressed when it doesn't happen you're going to feel as if something's wrong happened to you you're going to feel as if you failed or you're going to feel as if she failed so i feel like the first step of masculine movement of building masculine consciousness is to raise masculine consciousness to a purpose and a truth which includes women but transcends women i think that's in 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 the sense in a sense that the masculine identity isn't dependent on the feminine isn't dependent on a feminine other for its identity because then it's it has to have that's the first step i think to a masculine sovereignty and it's the step to a masculine sovereignty where that you could trust that man to be able to cultivate the potential of woman because he's not coming because he's not coming from a place of wanting to own the woman or he's not coming from a place of wanting to secretly you know cage, cage the woman or or something like this or or exploit or manipulate the woman if that makes sense so from that position i want to re-bring up the i think the great metaphor that daniel brought up which was the moon and the sun which does capture this um this impossibility well i think because they're in different realms like the like the sun the sun can't have the moon the moon has its own realm it has its own time it has its own space and i think that this is an this is a lost art so before i pass it to kevin i just want to say that there are these two realms, this the one, the sun, and the other, the moon, where I feel like the lost art is the gap, meaning that when a woman and a man do form a team, the crucial thing is to know that your team is a, your team is two different realms inherently, and they can never be one realm, and the gap between the two realms is the power is the most powerful force you don't want to close up that difference you don't want to close it up those two realms are good meaning like if like i feel like a good like model for masculine movements is to teach men how to build relationships with women where the gap is maintained and that means that means that you're fully in your sovereignty so you're not you don't feel you need to close the gap and that you actually like for example you're in a relationship but i don't see you for two weeks maybe we don't maybe we have maybe we have it meta meta scheduled that we don't see each other or talk to each other for two weeks and then we come together but you need that 
so I, I think that the, the crucial dimension of the map, before I pass to you, Kevin, the crucial dimension of masculine movements is raising masculine consciousness while it's going through the sexuation process to recognize its own sovereignty in, yes, your identity naturally longs for the feminine, but merging with the feminine is an impossibility that you should, that you should see as a positive feature. And I think in that state of consciousness, there is the potential for radical otherness. So I'll give that to you, Kevin. Yeah, brilliant. I love, I love where you took this, Cadell. And yeah, this is, this is the sad state of, of the modern Western culture. And I think I, I went into a rant, I forget which chapter, but I'll do the mini version here. And it's very simple. It's been a big piece of my life and my work and seeking this stuff out is it's the rite of passage. It's the male initiation, which the crucial aspect of male initiation is creating an adult male personality, which means separating from the childlike male personality, the boy, and separating with the mother in a clean way that is final and invites sovereignty into the man's life. So he can become part of the culture as an actor and play a role. So he can become his own father, leader, king, emperor, etc. And so what you're describing, Kidel, which I've lived through it, codependent relationships, clinging, projection, etc. I still navigate it today, even with all these concepts and embodiments. It, it doesn't go away. It's a lifelong thing because of the milieu we've been raised in, I believe. Um, maybe someone who's never been affected by Disney movies or rap music videos or white suburban picket fence culture in the Amazon somewhere, maybe they never formed these negative patterns. But for, for those of us that were raised in that, you know, here we are. And there's no shame in it. It's just confronting it with open eyes. Um, there, there has to be a gap maintained. We were speaking about this before the, the, the trialogue here around the dynamic tension that is necessary for eroticism and intimacy. There's a dynamical equilibrium or a tensegrity, to use Bucky Fuller's word. And it's, it's just the right amount of tension to form a stable geometry or constellation between man and woman. If you don't have any tension, you create something like a mother-son relationship and it completely collapses sexually and becomes toxic. If you have too much tension and gap, you create estrangement or abuse or violence or just like disassociation. And neither of those are, are desirable. So we have to play in that middle zone. And I, and I also agree it is a lost art, you know? It, it's a lost art that no one was taught because no one's practicing it. And so, you know, these, these masculine movements as they exist now, I mean, I'm pleased to see more and more, more positive, rooted, at least semi-quasi-initiated men leading these movements where they understand the importance of archetypal deep inner work, shadow work, the, the importance of the inner child, the importance of healing these things and recreating rites of passage. I think we have a long way to go though. And I think there's a lot more work to do. And I'm, you know, I'm doing my part and, and constantly talking to these men and, and, and learning as much as I can as, as a student and facilitator of this stuff. 
because, you know, I wanted to be taught this as a young man. And, you know, there's men's circles I run where there's grown men, 40, 50 year old. And they're coming to that circle like a 14 year old at the fire wanting to be seen and witnessed by other men. And every time it like, you know, brings tears to my eyes to feel, feel a man that vulnerable because he missed, he missed out on this evolutionary stage that was critical. And so if any masculine movement for the modern is going to be successful, it has to address this. It has to address this because the issue that you're pointing out, Kidal, around this gap and this, and this need to be dependent on the feminine and all of the, yeah, the, victimiz- the victimization, the dominance, the dependencies, those are all created out of a lack of maturity, of psychological and emotional maturity, because that's the way a, a toddler, like high chair tyrant would treat his mother if he wasn't getting milk from the tea, right? It's something like that, you know, it's like this very primal part of it's innocent, but in a grown ass man, you know, you, you have to look at it as some kind of pathology, you know, and there's not, there's no, again, there's no shame in this. Like this is something I think that a lot of modern men have to contend with myself included. And the answer is not radical sovereignty in a vacuum either. This is a por- important thing to state, I think. And another aspect that a men's movement has to address is genuine brotherhood, men's work, work you do with men, uncles, fathers, elders, grandfathers, brothers, some work you just can't do co-ed. And all ancient people understood this. Our ancestors understood this. Some things you can't do with your woman. She's not your therapist. She's not your mom. So there's an aspect of camaraderie camaraderie, accompaniment, and, and it's beyond friendship. This isn't just your bros at the pub. It's beyond friendship. It's male bonding at a, at a deep primal level where you can actually feel safe to be psychologically and emotionally seen. And I've, I've rarely felt this. I've only felt this in very intense containers and events or retreats or intensives where we created this over days of, of, of various types of processes. And it's not often we find this in, um, on Facebook, at your coffee shop down the street, et cetera. And the number one question men ask me online, especially when I speak about this or I make content or even with this book, when I speak about this book to people, um, you know, they're like, where are the men's circles, Kevin? There's none near me. I live in a small town, so-and-so somewhere. There's no one like this. Where can I do this? Where can I find this? I, I want to learn more. I want to get involved, you know? So I really hope, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this right now, if, you're, if you've read the book, you know, reach out because this is actually, this is more of an intention to speak out beyond just the, the beautiful philosophy and discussion here is, you know, to actually do this work and to gather and to, and to talk and to practice and to train, you know? So I'll just end my, I'll end my rant there and get off the uh, soapbox and pass to you, Daniel. Thank you, Kevin. That was really loving and very compassionate with the man. Love that. And um, I can really see what, from what, if, you, if we want to create a new culture, cultures has been always created and um, 
kind of manifested from the idea to um, to a kind of thickness where it becomes something more solid by rituals. And when you're talking about rituals, it is that um, usually the man movements that we had in the past had had these rituals in secret societies or in men's because that they meet because of their profession or because they meet in sports or they meet because of uh, getting into a pub and so on. You have like this desire for men to, to measure the power on, on the other, you know, especially in, in sports, it is so much that there is, is so psychologically transferred into the movement of the body. You know, every, every stress that, that a man usually confines and where he, he searches for a piece of his mind, you know, usually it has been by getting into the pub or getting into sports, you know. And, and in both of that, you sometimes even find the way who, who can drink more, you know, or who can be a better sportsman. And, um, but, but these are all like activities that you can do. And if it comes to rituals, it has been like the, the party of the village, you know, where everybody gets drunk and then someone doesn't like the other one and you hit in your face and the new structure is stabilized somehow, you know. Or uh, if, it, if it comes to other rituals where, I mean, in, in the countryside, in Germany, it is very often that the sports clubs are the ones that organizes the, the beer uh, parties, you know, the, the beer fest, the October fest, and so on. So it goes hand in hand. But having the possibility to, to find a new culture that tries to, on one hand, keep the gap, but also be a, a supplement, how, how did it say, the impossible supplement, how Zizek said it, um, to a new culture that arises now in, in feminism. I see very much what, what you're doing, Kevin, as very crucial. And for me, then the question in here comes very much into, into um, let's say, how, how do we really can, um, on one hand, I believe we have to, to close the gap and we have to keep the gap, you know, but what we can do as man for man is, is keep the gap and enhance and also provoke the serenity among man. To, to cut the cords to, from the mom or the dad issues, you know. I think it is very crucial to become the man, you know, not anymore a young boy, but a man. And what, what is it, what, what a man is, and here comes back to, to the son or to, to the man that's actually the one, as, um, as, as Zizek said, it is someone who knows who he is. Like there's this notion, a man has to do what a man has to do, you know? So he, he has like this self-confidence of 
that's what I have to do. You know? And giving man the possibility to get into the space where he can redefine his or where he can really find his his power and his free will to say that is what I want. I see it very much uh, complementary to 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 the love that usually comes into into existence when someone is there for someone else. No? And usually you or traditionally you have find found this to be there for someone else in 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 the woman's and patriarchy was the one that said that's where we go. So in, in this in this notion I find it again kind of crucial that on one hand and maybe we can even look further that the initiative rituals that they become like that they have a new face that they have a new structure i mean one of the new structures is like the circle the circle actually the round shapes are very feminine shapes usually men have been strong in keeping silence you know but um talking to each other and being vulnerable and not hard and strong you know is already kind of embodying also the the traditionally feminine side that is already a new culture and and somehow um there, there is the need to keep also the traditional way of, okay, let's let's fight and see who is stronger. You know, I think this is also something very crucial to to man, to to keep this playful fighting. You know, to to measure oneself not in the way of okay, I'm, I'm better or lost, but to to feel oneself in in the way that uh, that we can position ourselves also among men, you know, and therefore see, wow, this is where I am. This is where I'm at in this community, you know. So if I want to get better in whatever, I go, I can, I can do better because I see someone that is doing better. I mean, for me, it has been quite quite hard personally because I lost my father when I was 14 and I, I replaced it actually with doing uh, martial arts so it was very it was very disciplined very hard training no emotionality from a main role male role you know but uh, I got I got strong I got confidence by doing it and I got really good at it but still, uh, I had my repetitive patterns that I had people in my life that were like father-like, you know. But I, I didn't have in my past any ritual, you know, to go beyond that, you know. And, and this is something that, that I think is so crucial, what you mentioned, Kevin, that 
the, the ritual of the cord cutting or like the the way to what relation are you to your father can you define yourself as a man by yourself you know is so crucial to to a good brotherhood that makes an especially in a brotherhood makes the support to to be seen as you are and not as a father would do to, to a young person or that what you might have in a job or whatever you know and to to create this intense emotionality to make this bonding happen i think is one of the most crucial aspects that we can ask ourselves in, in which ways can we open up ourselves as man to create this this new way of, of brotherhood that is one of integrating the new way of, of culture that we are sons of, of uh, feminism and on the other hand strengthen also this importance of of feeling like a man if I mean, there are also other notions that other people want to feel different. But I think to keep a creative process, it is as important to keep the gap, as you said, Kadot. Yeah. So I think everything is located here, to me anyway, everything is located here in this notion of the gap and whether and how it and how it's ethically mediated. So I do think it's, so Esther Perel talks about in Mating in Captivity, the paradox or the Gordian knot of the relationship between men and women as basically a tension between love and desire, adventure and safety. So love, love and safety close the gap. Whereas desire and adventure open the gap. And I do think I do think that we live in a romantic culture and a feminist culture which tries to close the gap. And you see men who enter these relationships where they basically have codependencies and they they leave all their guy friends and they just they just like they gain they gain a hundred pounds and they stop doing their hobbies and they stop doing their purpose and they stop all this type of stuff and they they become too entangled. Um Basically, it's a culture that closes the gap and it's a culture that doesn't have any masculine energy. Like I think you both echoed it basically. Um, uh, if, if I don't, if I can't remember exactly how, how Kevin related to it, I think I have it written here how, um, how, how uh, Daniel said it was this, this power of free will that says, that is what I want. You know, I'm just going to, this is what I have to do. I have the self-confidence to, I have the self-confidence to assert my desire. This is what I want. And I have to do this. And I, and I just have to, I just have to go do it. And I think this is a man who has the self-confidence in himself, maintains the gap. And keep, the woman, the woman is there. He has a woman, he has feminine presence in his life. And he has positive relationship to feminine presence. But it's not, it's not in a way that he gives up or stops his mission. And I think this is really the most difficult part of being a man and the thing that masculine moons have to conquer is that there's no end to your mission. 
there's no end to it. You just have to keep going. You, si mueve, and yet it moves. It, it's going to keep moving. It's going to keep moving. And, 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 and it's, only, it's only dependent on you to keep moving. And I think that, that in that sense, the new brotherhood has to be between men who recognize that and are going to that next level and who can share the adventure of that beyond the going to the going to the pub or you know going to you know whatever like the the t- the typical sort of things like you'll see you'll see guys in their sixth like I'm in London you'll see guys at the pub with huge beer bellies you know at the pub with their drink and that's just how they're they're going to die this is this is like this is brotherhood, but it's, it's, it's in a degraded state, you know? So to me, it's like, like Daniel also alluded to the circle and the, the, the circle sharing. It's okay. It is a feminine shape though. I think that the, you know, the coming together in the sharing circle, it's necessary for men also to do this, to come together in the sharing circle and to, to be vulnerable and open up. But I think it's also open, it has to also be a model of, uh, again, what Daniel alluded to of this, and, and what Kevin said as well, this, this fight, this playful fighting to measure oneself, to measure one's position, to, to, to um, have a sense of, I can do better, I can improve, and that there's a competition in some sense, that there's, there, is, there is in some sense, there is in some sense a, a value hierarchy that 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 means something you know and 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 i just think all of this has been lost you know but at the same time it has to reemerge you know and it, it will naturally reemerge it has to naturally reemerge you know just because that's the that that's the nature of that's the nature of what what this energy is it seems so I guess for me, what I'll say before I, but before I throw it back to, to, to you guys to, to wrap up what you think about masculine movements is that, at least in my mind, yes, okay, the red pills identified that our cultures become female deference culture. Yes, there are brotherhoods emerging which are based around, um, based around, you know, simple and ultimately unfulfilling things like like the pickup artistry or like other other things of this nature but a new a new masculinity it doesn't have to be like religion of the past but it, it has to be it has to be a masculinity which raises a man's consciousness to a purpose beyond himself and which even transcends his identification with the woman and that basically means once the consciousness has done that, it means that that consciousness is capable of forming brotherhood with other male consciousness that can do that, and also that can maintain the gap. And it not and it's not to say it's not to say that you can't close the gap and love and feel safe and stuff. But it doesn't take away from your mission, which is your purpose, and which requires the gap and which requires you to be in touch deeply with your desire and to own your desire and to, and to do the masculine thing, which is to say, I have to do this. This is just what I have to do. I have to do it. And it's just coming from me. It doesn't come from any other to tell me that. So that's it. That's, that's, that's all I have to say is just 
to me, the masculine drive has the purpose, which includes but transcends the feminine and maintains the gap and can, and can uh, co-power co share with other men who are also capable of doing that. Not the men at the bar with the pub, with the big beer belly, but the men who are iron sharpening iron, which are men who are capable of, of you know, wrestling, wrestling for the co-betterment of, 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 of all the men in that position. Sorry, one more. This, this, this to me is our, what we're doing here is that. It, it, it's, it's an intellectual wrestling match, but it's not, we're not like, oh, I win, you lose. But at the same time, it's like, oh, Kevin said this, I gotta, I'm going to say this. Or Daniel stepped up his game. I'm going to, you know, we are doing that. You know, we are doing that, you know. And at the same time, we are maintaining our gaps and so forth. So I think this is also an embodied performance of this. I would agree. Oh, this is part of, you know, having new discussions. How many men are talking about this issue right now on the planet? Probably less than 10,000. I don't know. I just made that up. But it, it, it's, it's in dire need that we have these discussions. I mean, it feels like a good estimate. That's probably a generous estimate um, in this way. Yeah, I mean, th there's, there's something in that guy at the pub, right, with the beer belly. He has settled and ossified into an older model, and he's accepted it fully. And so thank you, sir, for your service. But, you know, we, not only can we not accept it, we have to remake it and compost it for our children and the next seven generations. That's, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm aiming to be a good ancestor. And if I'm gonna be a good ancestor, I need to be a good man because men are the ones who go out and hunt and protect and provide. And that's just how it is, you know? Um, and women support that while they rise into their beauty and radiance and power as a woman in symbiosis. And so the only way to do that, I mean, you pretty much said it all, Cadell, is like, yeah, we need to be masculine. We need to be directed. We need to have orientation towards purpose and betterment of our community and ourselves. And it's an inside job, you know? No one can give that to you. Not the army general that conscripts you, not the corporate boss that, that gives you sales commission, not your priest who absolves your sins, not mommy, not daddy, not Donald Trump or some politician. You have to do it yourself. This is why all the ordeals are so intense. You know, if you're an indigenous in North America, you go sit in the desert for three days with just water or maybe no food and water and wait for a vision to, to like come to terms with God or spirit, you know. Or you sit and drink plant medicine for seven days straight so you can hang with the elders and actually be like, okay. I've been to hell. I've been to the underworld. I have, I have a notion of what life and death means. Now I have a notion of my purpose here. I have a notion that life is worth living in an oriented direction as a man. And I'm driven to, to live into that, you know? That's what we need. We need men on mission. And I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, there is hope for the domesticated man. I was once him. 
You know, I'm an ordinary man. We're ordinary men. If we can do this and come to these conclusions and start walking the path, even clumsily, even without finesse at first, anyone can do it. Maybe even old Johnny at the pub. So yeah, to close, what I want to say is that new masculine movements are in their infancy. I think this century, over the next 80 years, we'll see them mature into something amazing that will be a titanic shift in how the culture operates with masculinity worldwide. I really am holding that vision. I think before then, there's going to be a lot more poison to pull out of the wounds, and it's going to be pretty ugly. And it's going to be real ugly in our leadership who is entrenched in the old models because the youth and their sons, the old guard who's running the world right now, these old boys in the secret societies, their sons and their grandsons aren't having it. They're drinking medicine. They're cleaning up their act. They're studying the same things we are. They're exposing themselves to this new information. And I really hold the vision that the ones who are going to take the reins, the managerial elite, whatever you want to call them, not that it comes from them, but that's where the, the, the people who have the ability to make titanic shifts quickly because of the resources at their disposal, I think even them, along with those of us on the ground, foot soldiers, if you will, um, will come together to create this new culture. And there's nothing that can stop it because nature is behind it. So make no mistake, it's happening. Yeah, wonderful. I, I just can't continue talking like this because what I can see as, as a new culture for man, in difference to what we had in patriarchy and where we can support to each other is actually two things. On one hand, the big difference is that we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable and to, to be emotional and express it to each other, to be able to move through traumas, move through initiations, and move through higher purpose. You know, that is not blended by, by the traumas of what our fathers had, had done to us, you know. So really make like this inner healing possible among man to, to be someone that knows what he wants to do. And the second thing is that actually when we, we, we talk about patriarchy and new power relations also uh, with women, but also among men, is that the, the old structure that has been quite vertical, uh, it's becoming also a new phase with things like sociocracy or uh, holocracy or ways where you are more in a, in a circle space and you try to find consent, but not in the way that you come up with an idea and you talk about it and you expect someone else to do it. You know, you might come up with an idea, you know, but then you try to find with each other what is what you really want to make the synergy happen, you know, because how we can collaborate to, uh, with each other is, I think, in a way is a new culture that needs rituals to make informed decisions on a way that it allows us to have man to follow their own path.
you know, because we, we don't need to be alone to make it, or uh, have to make it all on my own. I don't think that, I mean, the, the old story that there's always only one hero is also going to be maybe um, updated, you know, that we already see, we already can see it, for example, in Lord of the Rings, you know, you need the whole group to, to make this happen, you know, or, uh, or example for so the Marvel picture studios, you know, now it's not only Batman that is only on his, on his way to, to save the world or Superman. Now it is uh, Captain America. It is the Hulk. It is uh, the whatever. It's like a bunch of heroes coming together. You know, that is a big shift that new culture is showing us that way that we have to find our capabilities in ourselves and um, the brotherhood can can teach someone to to find the most authentic self to make also the space up to allow oneself to express that by a very and this is something that integrates what what a power of the female has been more archetypal that is about communication you know man has been good in being silent and not expressing what they feeling what they wanted but very very um yeah only a few words and the way that and the content in which the man can support to each other right now is foster i think this new culture to be vulnerable healing internally and then also find meaningful collaboration by finding out what is your authentic purpose on 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 your mission on this earth yeah. create really strong network of collaborative communication yeah. that would smash patriarchy and find a new culture i think it's it's just it's the most the most difficult the most difficult thing about that and the reason why maybe it's taken extra time for this to emerge is because no one can tell you no no one can define your purpose for you no one can come like i think kevin was saying you know the the priest can't give it to you you know your mom and dad can't give it to you you know it really has to, it's an really an inside job and and to some degree not to not to not saying it's determined but but to some degree, this burden is not as much on women because having children is such a big part of the identity, such a natural part of the identity that it's, it's in some sense, you get a lot of your purpose there in your, in your relations and in your, in your having of children. But because we don't have that capacity, our, basically our cultural, our cultural drive is our baby. And that just has to come out of our own, just in the same way that the woman has pain giving birth to a child, we have pain giving birth to our, our child, which is basically our hopefully co-created spaces of, of higher purpose. Hope, I hope hopefully that's being birthed. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think this is a good stopping point. Once again, we went we went above and beyond into some of these deep issues around the gap between the masculine and feminine, 
why it's actually good, but also ways we can relate to it that doesn't create more alienation on the planet and creates more collaboration, community, and healing. And yeah, I want to thank you, gentlemen, once again. This has been an incredible trialogue. This is number 15. If you like what we're going into here, I would invite you to go to sexmasculinitygod.com. Um, you can find our book there. It's available on Amazon. We have 10 chapters of deep thought like this and discussion in this format. And so I think you'll get a lot from that. You can pick up the book now on Amazon. And yeah, we have five more to go and we're going to keep this going. If you're watching this on social media, you know, tag somebody who would get a lot from this, someone you know who would drink this up and sharing is caring. So share this out with your tribe. We appreciate it. And until next time, thank you, gentlemen. Let's lean into the purpose and those cultural babies, shall we? Mm -hmm.